morning, folks. It's time for Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show about the crucial political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and the nation at large. Join us for a stimulating, thought-provoking discussion. You'll get the facts as we focus on the challenges facing everyone. Good morning, folks. Welcome to Democratic Perspective. Um, I've been doing this show for 10 years now, and we had other people who did it for five, six, seven years in a row. And the focus, of course, the Democratic Perspective is on politics. And so we do political show after political show. Um, We try to keep everyone informed, um, both about local and state issues and national issues. So we really concentrate, we spend so much time on politics, and I spend uh, uh, e- immense amounts of times on the Internet reading political uh, um, posts and stuff and political information and magazines and spend a tremendous amount of time on politics. But occasionally we get tired of, of, of doing politics, and we like to take a break and uh, move off and do something else for a show. Uh, we do 52 shows a year, so we have room to uh, to do that. Today we're going to be interviewing um, Dr. Marvin uh, Colvin. He's an uh, uh, osteopath, uh, an OD, as they're called. D-O. D-O. That's correct. You're so, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I have you. That's here. right. Yeah. That's what I'm here okay. for. Okay. Um, and um, we're going to talk about how we, we did medicine, how he got into medicine and what it meant to him. Um, the last person we did, we did an interview with uh, uh, Chef uh, Nancy McCullough, and we um, we asked her about how her business got going and, and what she did and so forth and so on. And she said, you know, she started when she was going to school, she was 13 years old, that she would go buy a German bakery. And one day she just kind of walked in and introduced herself and started working in the bakery. So she started when she was 13, and that led to a whole career as a chef and a restaurateur. I don't think she had this, like, magic moment of revelation that this was going to be it. But it started very early, and it uh, and it uh, continued with variations on his life. So uh, were you always interested in, in, uh, in medicine, Dr. Coven? Get up to no. the clip mic there. Oh, okay. <laughs> Like this? Yeah, that's good. You got to be right on the phone. On All the right. Microphone. No, well, my story is your typical starting out as a satchel carrying egghead in high school, brought up in a very literal interpretation denomination of Christianity. <clears throat> bopping along in my life until um, the universe came knocking when I was a senior in high school. <clears throat> this was, um, in, I was in a, it was in Glendale, down <clears throat> Glendale, Arizona, and it was considered a very progressive kind of uh, Class. It was, I was taking all the advanced classes, as all eggheads do. Um, but it was world literature class, and basically the students taught 
in a, in a way that was under the direction of the teacher. But basically, we started out with Greek literature and Roman and all that. And we had uh, a student teacher who was doing his internship. And so he had his two cents uh, worth also. But anyway, um, I got Plato. Uh A good place to start when you're a senior in high school. What's Plato about? Well, I got overwhelmed with that. Um, But anyway, kind of the the two cents that the, the student teacher put into it was he told us, well, whatever it is that you're doing a report on, um, try to uh, see how it applies to your life. So you were doing Plato's Cave? Plato's Cave. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I, I, I searched around until I found the, the allegory of the cave, which is about reality and what's real and what's truth and what's beauty and all that. And so I did my presentation of that whole uh, allegory Um, then I wrapped it up with what does this have to do with me well I got it that really seeing truth and and beauty and the reality of it was heaven and being in ignorance as the people in the cave was hell because that was related to what was really important to me in my life, which was my upbringing. So, so you, so this was a revelation in the sense you, the ideas that Plato was was discussing, kind yeah. of really resonated with you, and so not until the question and answer period. Okay, I was, you know, we're supposed to have a question and answer period where. Everybody could pretend like they were listening and ask important questions so that the teacher got gave them points, you know. And uh, one of the students said, well, how can you connect this heathen idea with the truth of Christianity? And something popped. And I just, I made connection with all the different things that we'd, Many different things that we'd studied in literature before Wordsworth and 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 I said, you know, these guys are all talking about the same thing, just different ways of talking about it. But it, that was when the universe came knocking, as and it was my answers to the questions. I was in the zone. Uh, I could hardly wait till the next question to hear what the next answer was going to be because I didn't know where I don't know what was where it was coming from and what I was going to be saying. And I was jazzed. And so you you went off to university after high school? No. <laughs> I took a long, you know. Um, detour? <laughs> big detour, yes. After that, I was searching for, uh, yeah, the, the following. The, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time trying to reconcile the things that I was learning and, and discovering with, my upbringing in the church. Uh, I left. I, I had a discussion with my minister on Easter Sunday after church and told him I was leaving the church. This must have been pretty traumatic, breaking with a, a church that you've been raised in, which is kind of a holistic embrace on 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 its members, and and it was 
Plato that stimulated that. And yeah. so you didn't go right, right away to college. No, I was now searching for truth with a capital T. Okay. Hmm. That was... <laughs> okay, so what did you do? <laughs> what did you do? Well, I, I, I ended up starting with... I did start... I did take a, a semester of college at St. John's College back in Annapolis, which is built around the great books. Right, it's a great college, I know. But even that wasn't enough. And so I spent um, the next 10 years finding myself. <laughs> did you go overseas? I did. I I went to uh, <clears throat> motorcycle cross country and sold my motorcycle in New York and used the money to go to to fly to Europe and I had some friends that had gone to Israel and so I hitchhiked uh, Paris. I, I threw my glasses away so I could see clearly. <laughs> you know, I was, I was really on this. Um, <laughs> I was really on this journey. <clears throat> yeah, so I was actually doing a, a trip of blind faith, literally. And, Not knowing where you were going to go next. Well, I, I knew I was headed for Israel, but I didn't know how I was going to get there, what was going to take between there and there, here and there. And then I came back. A lot of other stories in between, but I ended up coming back and and uh, spent uh, 10 years doing this and that and the other. And, and then I ended up hooking up with some uh, old reprobates from um, L. Ron Hubbard before he did Scientology and they had their own trip that they were doing in terms of healing and that's when I first got connected the whole thing into about uh, spirituality and healing and mind and all that that was when I was when I met those people, and before that though, I I have heard that you were a guano uh, miner. No, that's actually when those are the people that had this mining. Yeah, they had this BLM lease on this land up by Parker, not in the middle of the desert, and there was this uh, legendary cave there that had just. I mean, it was just had lots and lots of back guano, tons of back guano, mm-hmm. and supposedly the 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 caverns ran clear to the Colorado River. I mean, but anyway, they 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 had they were the ones that were that had this lease, and we were and there's a bunch of us idealistic, recently you know recently out of high school kids, <clears throat> and so we were quite a, an assembly. These 60-year-olds and 65-year-olds and these 19- and 20-year-olds <clears throat> digging in, trying to dig into and find this old cave that, and we're going to make all this money with with uh, bat guano. And part of the, among the many different projects we're going to do with that was have this healing center. <clears throat> that was part of the things that we were going to fund with it. Funded by bat guano. Bat. We didn't call it guano at the time. We, you know, we were a little more crude than that. Yeah. How'd you make your money? Oh, I made my money in bat crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you were trying to get rich with the bat crap. Yeah. <laughs> and also, you were already. It sounds like beginning interested in, in if not medicine, in 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 health, in healing, healing. Yeah. I, I would go. I would. 
it was about healing. It's about and how healing has to do with a person's life journey, and basically started hooking into what life journeys are about. That was and how healing was part of that story. And and this interest in healing is what led you to to becoming a a a, a, a DO, a doctor of osteopathy. <laughs> I eventually got there, yeah. Because there's a lot of different things you could do with that. You could have become a chiropractor, or a massage therapist, uh, other kind of spiritual healers. Um, so we're talking about MD. doctor of osteopathy, yeah. right? Right. right. You well, could have done a lot of different things, but this is where you ended up. It is. Well, and the, um, you know, our grandiose dreams of having this, having this, um, clinic was masters of healings from all over the world and I mean that we were going to be funding and doing well you know that kind of petered out and didn't actually end up happening but I still had the fire or I still had the spark of what I wanted to do and so uh, I just basically decided I was going to be a, a chiropractor because they have a pretty broad um perspective on things and and I had my own personal experience of the connection between the uh, physical body and and healing and yes and yeah have you expand a bit on healing because obviously you had some experiences that kind of took you off the the uh, black and white path of medicine you have any what was your healing journey at that time well It's kind of difficult to put in, in, in concise words, but basically the, the per, main person that I was connected with in that group, like I said, had been part of L. Ron Hubbard's mm-hmm. group. And so they were, you know, when it was Scientology before it morphed into Scientology, and it was a lot about what, uh, how we create things in our lives and how that um, and and how our life journey is about learning the lessons that we kind of come here to learn, and so that included the physical part. And chiropractic uh, is about physical manipulations right. and studying the physiology of the body and and all that. So so. You have this spiritual experience, you're Plato's cave, and you go all the way to that to be an interest in chiropractic and in, in, in getting it very physical and doing manipulations and and understanding how the body works in detail. Right, and and that was that, and so like ten years out from high school, I decided to go back to school to get my prerequisites for going to chiropractic school, and so I came back uh, to. Cottonwood at that time was where my folks were and and worked for my dad at a, a Martin's Union service station in Cottonwood and did uh, and started going to Yavapai College and started working on my prerequisites for chiropractic school. But along the way, I um, ran into uh, Craig Hoffbauer, who was an osteopath, and... Um, he kind of he turned me on to the osteopathy, the which 
uh, a little bit broader. You know, the osteopathy deals with hands-on very significantly or uh, definitely did in earlier days, but then it kind of morphed and included um, pharmacological and and um, pathophysiology and all that stuff. So DOs can do pretty much anything MDs can do. They can do operations. They can prescribe medicines. And it's it's kind of an alternative. But they have this training in, in physiology focused on – it's the, a little bit like chiropractic. Uh, I don't know the difference but I, uh, intellectually. And yeah, so I um, – yeah, the, the, the difference is that osteopaths – um, or a full-fledged medical school and, and all, get all the same um, background and, and basic background in sciences and, and all that, that that MDs do, and they include the structure and function part. You know, basically, uh, structure and function follow each other, and that optimizing structure optimizes function. So it, it brings... That's how it brings it into the uh, into the story of of uh, health. And what, so, what uh, I'm kind of asking or thinking about is, you you come with a with a very spiritual interest in healing, uh, a very um, personal spiritually, and you end up doing something that's that's very practical, intellectual, and and physical. That's true, and I just want to say one more thing about. The shift that I made from from going towards chiropractic to osteopathic was that I wanted to. Uh, along the way, I became com- uh, clear that I wanted to where I wanted to practice was going to be a small town. <clears throat> I didn't know it was going to be Cottonwood. I came back here to get my prerequisite training because that's where my family was, but that. Uh, I wanted to be part of the people's lives, not just you know someone they came to see uh, for their little, their little problems, but something I wanted to be more involved. Family in. doctor, family, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't want to have to stop at the hospital doors. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to have the full spectrum that included what I loved. What I really loved was the hands-on stuff. I I, I like. Um, there's some something special about being able to make that connection with your hands and make a difference in a person's life. Um, that's the part of it that I've always loved the most. But and you, even within the osteopathic um, realm of it. But you've learned to do everything else and can do everything else. And you... Osteopathic school is what four years to get your doctorate, and then you have to take a test. I understand is pretty much like the MD test. Oh yes, yeah. it's a similar kind of thing. The difference that um, because I en- uh, enjoyed the hands-on work, I did an extra year uh, of um, osteopathic medical school because I became a um, they call it a fellow. So I, I spent an extra year because I became one of the teachers within the osteopathic uh, manipulation department. And so I got more time doing that and, and uh, got to learn and got to teach that. What's the difference between chiropractic and, and osteopathic manipulation? 
Uh, maybe that's a I'm going to guess question. physiology. Yeah. Well, a lot of so the so the the paradigm. I, I now, as my understanding, because you know each each side has its own story, but. Um, the osteopath, and when in the osteopathic training, we have a broader picture of it. We get all the we get all the path pathophysiology and the pharmacology and all that, mm-hmm. so we know how all that uh, how that how all that works. Um, the chiropractors have tended to be more that you know you fix the body and that and that fixes everything, and some are so narrow minded. Narrow, I wouldn't say narrow minded, but so focused that. If fix C1, C2, you can fix everything. <clears throat> you know, the relationship at the top of the spine, you can fix everything. Whereas the osteopathic approach is, is broader. The difference in the techniques kind of depends on the individual because there's a lot of different kind of techniques both in, in the chiropractic and the osteopathic world. I tend to prefer the softer techniques. I tend to like to work with the soft tissues and let the bo- let the bones go along for the ride, so to speak, because I figure that if you don't, if you if you just put a put a bone back where it's supposed to be or where you think it's supposed to be, and and everything else, all the soft tissues around it are still holding themselves. Yeah, in that yeah, place. they're they're mm-hmm. still back the way they they yeah. still think what home base is. They right, still think right. they they and especially in the, in an older population, which Guess what? My population here is older. Yeah. yeah. And uh, most of your patients are older. I most think. of my patients are older, older. yes. And uh, been with them for a while? Hmm? Or a lot of your patients, people you've been with for a lot of their lives? Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. And, you know, I, I did, I, and I did primary care from, I opened my practice here in 94 and did primary care in two, 2000, until 2015. That included the whole, brought, the whole spectrum of, of family medicine, but in 2015 I let go of the primary care, and I've just been doing the osteopathic manipulation since. And I've got patients in my practice that have been with me since '94. How many patients do you have, for example, or how many do physicians have? I don't even know. To kind of. Well, you know, it's it's kind of a fluctuating thing. Back when I was doing primary care, probably had a, um, a base of. Ter- a couple thousand, maybe. Um, probably have an active base now, more like five hundred, because oh. you know people, you know, as they as they get better, they move on, and other people c- come in. And but I, uh, <clears throat> so you by handling somebody physically, you can tell what's wrong. You can tell a bone, or you can tell the muscles are are messed up. Just. Uh, Physically, or there's well, part of it. And well, how do you know what to do? Well, you know, that's that's a that's a really good question, and it's and part of it starts out know, when any new patient, I, I do a well, number 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 one, I listen. You know, yeah. the patient will tell you a lot about about what's going on, and that goes back to my original thing, which is that it's you know, it's all it's all part of our life story. And some of you know some of people's ills that they and, and ailments they come in with um, are longstanding and and are an integral part of their lives. And some people just come in because they have something acute 
going on. But so you listen to the story, <clears throat> you li- and but and then you do a physical exam and there or a structural exam, and uh, that will give you a lot of clues. And then and then you just and then uh, in the in the course of doing the physical exam, you find things, and sometimes you. Uh, just you tune into and find things that are related to what the person's complaint is. And sometimes you find, a lot of times you find other stuff and you find how, and then you start finding the relationships between them if they're, if those exist. So someone comes in with uh, a complaint about their neck or, or, or the upper spine and that can be the focus of what you do, or there could be much more involved in it. Well, yeah, there could be. There, uh, there actually could be quite a bit more involved with it. I, um, I will always give attention to the area that the person has complaint about, because otherwise, they're not going to feel that they've been served. Uh-huh. But I generally look at the whole body, and. Uh, sometimes I find, for instance, that um, some that a person has uh, a congenital leg length discrepancy mm-hmm. of a quarter. You know, maybe just even as much, even as little as a quarter of an inch of of uh, leg length discrepancy can throw the 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 uh, pelvis off, which can start off creating a scoliosis, which can end up creating tension in the neck. And so you have to look at the whole thing. And you've been doing, you've been practicing for how long now? Well, yeah, I've had my practice here since 94. But I I started, you know, but I've been, I was doing it in in my, so I did medical school and then I did a, a family practice residency as well. And uh, what what other kind of medicine have you done? Did you do an emergency room uh, work? I, I I you know while I was work, looking for a place to you know when I I landed back in Arizona back in ninety uh, two um, after completing my residency and I had to uh, I didn't know I didn't have a place to start my practice or put mm-hmm. my practice in it. And so while I was kind of looking for that, my dad was helping me to look for that. Um, I worked in the emergency rooms around northern Arizona and Flagstaff and and Winslow and Williams and actually got as far as, as uh, Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada. So I've talked to people who, who really love emergency room stuff. Uh, uh, nurses and and physicians and uh, a friend of mine that worked in the Philadelphia uh, emergency room. That's what she did, and she liked the fact that she saw someone once and have a knife wound or whatever, and she patches them up and then they go off somewhere and she never deals with it again. She liked that. She liked that impersonality and the the fact that. The patient either dies or they get well, or you know, there's, there's like it's sort of conclusive. She said, but you like the opposite. You like more involvement in. It sounds to me like a people's psychology is important to you. Yeah, and that, and that's, and I mean, 
<clears throat> I saw an interesting contrast in that in in one of the one of the uh, jobs that I got that I morphed into when doing the emergency room uh, shtick was that there were some people that started uh, a um, urgent care family practice uh, in Lake Havasu and the people that the main people who were involved in, in putting it together were ER docs <clears throat> and um, so they had a rotating shift of emergency room doctors that 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 uh, rotated through, but it was. But besides being a walk-in urgent care, actually they they were among the earliest people uh, or groups in the state to uh, do what they call um, at-risk HMO care. Basically, they they got all of the access patients in Lake Havasu. And with that, that was big time family practice, and and a lot of people going in the hospital. And um, this is distressed population mm-hmm. compared to, to other populations of patients. Yeah, well, it was distressed, but it was also heavy duty family practice, and the doc, the doctors that were taking care of them were all emergency room doctors except me. I'd gone through family practice, and within two months all the ER docs had dropped out because they're used to being done you're done with your shift and you're done with the patients and that's it yeah, that's I, was, I, I, was, I was used to doing going to the hospital and taking care of patients and, and all that's been as part of my training so I became the last man standing and, and eventually you moved to Cottonwood um, I guess I have a broad question You've come for, to observe this from a sort of spiritual point of view. Um, what 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 do doctors know that patients should know but don't know? Well, I think it's that could be either what doctors should know. I mean, a lot of doctors do know that that. Um, I'm trying to take the bias out of the out of, out of the question in my mind because to me, every every interaction that occurs, we're either teaching or learning. And you know what the doctors should know is that they're learning from their patients, as well as that the the patients are learning, learning from, the, from doctors. the doctors. Basic basically, it's a dialogue. Interesting, interesting. So that's. Yeah, I, I when I when I thought of that question, I knew that was kind of like really up there in the air. That's that's interesting. And I wanted to expound a bit on the spiritual aspect because I'm wondering if you've ever gotten into energy medicine or if people's energy bodies play into your practice at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and 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 sometimes that gets acknowledged and sometimes not. Sometimes and uh, sometimes. Um, sometimes when I'm working with people with their with uh, uh, and put have my hands on their body and and uh, and working on some areas, um, it brings things up mm-hmm. 
it can bring it can bring things up. It can bring memories up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I actually uh, have some um, um, patients that uh, are like doing therapy, for instance, and they get to a certain point with with their. Um, you like psychotherapy? Yeah, mm-hmm. psychotherapy, uh, counseling, whatever, and and by by the uh, and they get to a certain level, and then sometimes what I do with my hands that uh, wakes up the next level, right? And they can go deeper. Beautiful. And it uh, and sometimes it is something that the patient, but you know, patients that are doing doing that path are more conscious than some patients. You, it just bring stuff up and you have to be more indirect and subtle about it and mm-hmm. and make suggestions or ask them ask them questions or make suggestions and and a lot of times they'll run with it and they'll make discoveries that uh are more than about the physical mm-hmm. it sounds very different from the from going into a medical doctor and i you know i have a headache and uh, here's your the right pill uh, for it's that very this is a very different kind of thing than the sort of transactional medicine that, that dominates the the country yeah i i i schedule my patients on a half hour and sometimes that isn't enough mm. um, because for the most part i mean we uh, my patients and i enjoy each other mm-hmm. yeah you form a relationship you you're with them for a long time yeah i we we uh and um I tell corny jokes, <laughs> but a lot of times there's uh, there's uh, messages behind the jokes. You know, it's 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 all about keeping the relationship going and and um, seeing what's next. Yeah. How do you? How do you decide what the underlying factors are? I know that you're you're very good at feeling uh, problems in the muscular, uh, but how do you know what to do about it? It's just, I, I guess my it's an inarticulate question, but I don't quite know how all that works. I don't either. Okay. <laughs> good. I, I I I sometimes I just have to follow my hands. Mm-hmm. I, I basically I uh, and and there's a lot of times that uh, and there's some of, yeah there's a lot of times that basically yeah, I just go where my hands lead me and um, and see, we see where we go. What's the hardest thing about being a, a doctor an osteopath? Paperwork. Even though I got out of primary care, I still deal with insurances and uh, the worst. Uh, yeah. And and uh, yeah, the paperwork. I I don't like paperwork, but I I enjoy the work. I just I don't like having to write about it and, <laughs> and within the formula that is prescribed in order to get paid. Right. So that's that's the downside for a lot of doctors I know is 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 the amount of paperwork. Um, 
I guess from the time I was young to now, there's been a big improvement in people having the money to pay doctors and stuff. I remember in my little town in Claremore, Oklahoma, one of the doctors complained that the rural people gave him chickens and eggs as, as his fee. And sometimes they couldn't correct it. But there's now lots of insurances, Medicare, uh, Medicaid, uh, Obamacare. So there's the, the financial structure was, is better. You know, and yes and no. Have you gone I've, from- I've, I've, been, I've been watching the politicians, so I know yes. So the answer to that is yes and no. Um in a, in a way, in a way, that's really good, and it affords people the ability to to get care that they wouldn't otherwise be able to. But on the other hand, I think one of the things that it it um, the contra to it is that sometimes it, people don't place the value on it that they would if they had to come up with the resources themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a it's a balance. So it, it doesn't cause them to focus and appreciate it. Also, it's sort of like if uh, if you pay a price for something, you see the the object, for example, gets valued, and and the process gets gets valued more if it, if there's a charge for it. So the hardest thing is the paperwork. What if what have you learned now? You've been doing this for what thirty years. What would you say you've learned from where you started out? You're a young doctor, you had emergency room experience and so forth, family practice. What what have you learned? What kinds of things have you learned, I guess is a better question. Well, I, I think that Well, it it's it's my it's my life journey too. And so, you know, part of what I'm, you know, I'm 72 now. And so, you know, part of, part of what I'm looking at is, um, you know, I really, you know, part of the juice of life for me is doing this work. But, you know, it's not something I want to keep doing forever. And I mean, it, the actually, the, the hands-on part is, but the actually having to show up at a certain time <laughs> and do it for a certain period of time and, and, you know, for for the money, you know, it's about me learning my life balance. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm getting to the point where, okay, so how do I, how do I phase out of this and still keep doing what I love to do? Right, and where will your patients go if you leave? Because I know that, they're very attached to that's a you. Big one. That's a big one. Because, because you have a relationship with them, and some of them have been going to you for decades. Right? And there, there's at least at least three times a week, at least, if not more, I get the question, you're not going to retire, are you? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. A whole lot of people don't want you to retire. A whole lot, a whole lot of people uh, uh, to sell folks. If 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 you get sick, a whole lot of people start worrying. You know? So uh, so yeah. So that's the question. So you want to phase this out. You're seventy two, but you, you have know, an end goal. You have an end age. 
in, yeah. anything concrete in mind? I don't have an end age. I, there, I have certain financial things I need to accomplish before I feel like I can not have to do, have to depend on it for making making my living. You know, I've I've never made a lot of money at it. I've just kind of kept doing not, enough to keep me and my and my staff going. And you don't take more patients than you can handle, right? And and uh, we probably shouldn't uh, give your phone number out, huh? Are you are you, uh, are you taking I'm, new patients? I am. T- I'm taking new <laughs> you patients. Are, right, you taking are new taking new patients. There was what? a period I don't think you were taking new patients. <clears throat> That's been a while. Yeah, I still take new patients. So what I hear is very different than normal medicine, which, again, is transactional. I have a headache. I go into the doctor. He cheats me. I leave. That's that. Yours is a, is a very different process. And I don't know whether that's how much of that is you and how much of that, of that is osteopathy. Uh, well, I, I, you know, I, I, hear from, I hear from people that have been to osteopaths before and seek me out because I'm an osteopath because they've come from someplace else and is uh, there tends to be that kind of feeling among people that that they they felt they feel a broader relationship with an osteopath than than with other other physicians mm-hmm. so i don't think i'm totally unique you know, I may go a little bit further along that line in terms of relationship and stuff uh, than others, but uh, I think that by and large, people have that sense mm-hmm. about osteopaths compared to deal and, and compared to other physicians. Yeah, it's holistic. You know, you're taking the whole human being into consideration. In yeah, the, yeah, the. Yeah, osteopaths were doing the um, mind-body milieu mm-hmm. Um, connections before, uh, before M- generally speaking, before MDs as a group. We've got just a couple of minutes uh, left. We'd like to thank uh, Dr. Martin. And I, and I think part of that is because we bring the, the body, you know, it's not just the medicine. It's... You know, it's not just the yeah. Pharmacology, yeah, it, it sounds very different. Yeah. Well, I, I, have I, to I could say. go down a uh, a wormhole with you about energy because I love that. That's you know, in you being connected with humans on a physiological level. That just kind of, and also your open mindedness to everything beyond the body. It's really the energy's work has become part of your practice, which is you know, we're, we're, it's all energy. So yes. yeah, yeah, to t- tap in that level, special, yeah. Well, thank you for being with us. I mean, we every once in a while we have to get away from politics. Uh, I even though I'm a political junkie, I know even even though I'm a political junkie, I get tired of politics. And I wanted to talk to you. We got one minute left. Um, I want to recommend that everybody go to the Democrats to the Red Rocks the Door website. They have a a, a new breakfast coming and uh, a bunch of other interesting programs i'm hoping their breakfast will stop being zoom and be you know in person person now that you know pretty much freed from from covid at least a lot of us 
Um, the other thing is that uh, El Portal, a wonderful small boutique hotel that is dog-friendly beyond measure. Um, it is a doggy, doggy place. So if you're traveling with your pet, it's um, uh, a good spot. place to stay, and it's beautiful. Yeah. It's very beautiful. Um, uh, we're next week. We're going to be talking to Alice Rothschild about uh, uh, Gaza and the Palestinian issues. She's a physician. Uh, and, we'll see uh, you next week. Yeah. You've been listening to Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show focusing on the political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and our nation at large. Catch us every Monday morning after the 8 a.m. news, right here on AM 780 KAZM. It's beautiful out there, folks. Have a great day.